0: All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blogger podcast. My name is Josh. Hope everyone had a good week. We got a lot to talk about. Um, I'm going to try to keep it short and sweet. This is just a solo pod, so it's just me this week. But I did want to check in and chat about things heading into Barcelona's significance matchup with Real Betis tomorrow. Uh, I'm recording this about literally 24 hours in advance Um So, looking at the La Liga table right now, Barcelona sit second place. They are eight points above Real Betis in fifth place. Uh, So, I mean, there's a world where Betis get within five points. Um, That being said, it's obviously, like, Barcelona, like, they're going to be betting favorites. It's not going to be huge. And I I think the important thing, is getting out of here with some points obviously like putting any sort of doubt that in the next let's see Barcelona have three more La Liga matches including this weekend Or four is it, is it four more yeah four more La Liga matches uh including the the last match of the week or last match of the season against Villarreal so I mean there's a world where like a complete collapse leads them to outside of the top four but they can really kind of put it away this weekend um, with a win over Betis. Uh, the <sighs> I think the difficult thing to think about with the Xavi era so far, right, is like obviously he's navigated some pretty difficult waters thus far, right? Like when he took over, Barcelona had been just knocked out of the Champions League. They were falling continually further down the La Liga table. He took over, uh, took the team on an absolute tear after some signings in January and brought them into the top four. And I think it's important to remember that the goal for this entire thing was Champions League. There were trophies weren't really something in our minds. Uh, it was about building, rebuilding culture. And it wasn't about record necessarily this year because I mean like Ronald Kuhn had an okay record his first year, right? Like that wasn't that wasn't the problem. Um the Kuhn era, and I, I think I'm just clicking into this now, but so Nick, our uh our constant friend of the pod, wrote a piece this week talking about the showdown this weekend. And something that he said was uh, the Cuminero era will be remembered by many for its fatalism, not just for losing to the other European giants every time, but for shrugging it off as just how things are now. Xavi refused to accept that. He saw what was obvious to the rest of us. Barcelona are full of world-class talent. The challenge was not so much a footballing one, but overcoming the mental demons that were paralyzing his players. Um, He goes on to say, and this is just so good. I'm just going to read it to everybody. Go check out the piece, barcelainblogranice.com. Nick is a great writer, but uh, he Carries on, quote, that, but that's the thing about trauma. Just when you think it's gone, it can reappear with authority, and many players on this team still carry it. That's why defeating Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, and Sevilla wasn't just a big deal. It was a confidence injection, a boost of adrenaline. But now it's back to reality. Getting a result against Mallorca was positive, but performances are what's needed with four games to go. Uh, this is obviously... This isn't like the match of the season, right? But it's still like it's still pretty important to put this top four conversation away to leave out the possibility of some sort of fatal collapse down the stretch that puts Barcelona outside of the top four. They gotta get some points this weekend. And I think um heading into the match, obviously, like so we're gonna be without Gerard Piquet. Uh he is going uh he has some I think it's it's like tendonitis or tender tendonopathy. I'm not sure how to I'm not sure what the correct, correct medical phrases but basically um he's just out that's just how it's going to be um the other injury uh concern and watch is mark on dr stegan so he's a doubt for this weekend's match he missed training on friday uh, this morning because of that so we're not really sure who's going to be in goal whether it's going to be nato or, or Terstegen. <sighs> Um, the other bits of injury news is, uh, Ansu Fati. So he spoke out about some of the, um, uh, uh, kind of the recovery from injury and basically, uh, like how he felt after making his uh, return over this past weekend, um, He said, quote, you gradually get better and stronger every day with total effort and hard work. You can fix everything in the end. I've learned so much about myself during the recovery process. Uh, He was then asked about um, whether he thought about leaving the club. He said, no, honestly, Barca have given me everything that is my club. My main ambition is to win titles with Barcelona to achieve that for the club and the fans is my number one goal. If that means I also achieve personal records, then amazing. I'll work hard and stay dedicated. Hopefully trophies and records will come after that. So it's assuming we're going to see more of him this weekend. I think uh, it's important to introduce those minutes slowly, as I'm sure Barcelona are obviously going to do. And yeah, like the hope is you show up next year with a healthy Pedro, a healthy Fati, hopefully a re-signed Usman Dembele, and you're ready to go. Um, the... The transfer news, I mean, there's not like, you know, there's not a ton, right? It's basically Marcus Alonso and Dave Uh Apparently, we're lacking for older gentlemen uh, to help us in the fullback position. So we want Dave to come help us out, which is uh, a choice. But, you know, I mean, he, he's still good. You know, I think the other weird rumor I saw uh, was that Frankie de Jong is apparently Manchester City's one of their uh, goals for this year. Um, I I don't know. It seems a little strange. I think Barcelona's financial situation makes just about anything possible this summer, including maybe letting him go to Manchester City for some obscene amount of money. Uh, obviously, City have other priorities like Erling Holland, but if that's locked up and they want yet another <laughs> world-class midfielder to rotate in and out, then, you know, Frankie would, of course, fit well with them, but that would be a devastating loss for Barcelona, one that they don't need. And, um, yeah, that would be bad. Um, I know this is a Barcelona podcast, but honestly, there's a microphone in front of my mouth, and I have the desire to speak about <laughs> the footballing that took place in the world this week. Uh, it involved some rivals of Barcelona uh, and some... You know, I don't think Villarreal are a rival, so I'm going to talk about them in a nice context. Let's just talk about the Villarreal Liverpool match real quick. Um, of course, Villarreal come out and score two goals in the first half, punch Liverpool right in the right in the mouth, like send them reeling. And then Liverpool do what Liverpool does best: they inject on the other team's tired legs. They inject a player like Luis Diaz, who comes in and throttles Villarreal with pace, with speed, with precision. And obviously there were some uh, unforced errors on the part of Villarreal, but like they they overachieved clearly, but what Unai Emery is building for like for Villarreal is incredible. I hope it transitions to or translates to league success next year. Like it's all great that Villarreal can overachieve in the Europa League and in the Champions League, but like it's important for the long-term success of the Liga to have a club, you know, another club. Like, like I don't see why Villarreal can't be another Sevilla, right? A team that challenges teams at the top, that's constantly in the top four battle, top three battle, and is also a threat in Europe. Uh, so I hope Villarreal and Unai Emery can continue to build on this success. A great season, uh, but not all that surprising to see Liverpool go through. I think the, uh, the aggregate score of 5-2 is a little bit deceiving, mm-hmm. Um, Well, I don't know if it's all that deceiving because in the first like Liverpool, like they were dominant, but they just didn't have that many goals in the first, like they didn't have any goals in the first half, but they were completely dominant. Uh, So maybe 5-2 isn't like, maybe that's a true depiction of the the talent and like the, the, not the skill gap, but what am I trying to say? Like the gap in form between those two teams, maybe that is adequate, but either way, lovely lovely success for Villarreal Liverpool one of the best teams in the world probably the first or the second best team in the world depending upon who you ask uh headed to the Champions League final and the quest for the quadruple is still on the table for them um this is gonna hurt and I don't really know how to talk about Real Madrid on a Barcelona podcast in a way that isn't going to hurt Uh, especially because I've been quite flattering towards Real Madrid. I understand they're Barcelona's rival, but like what they, like the moxie they have, it was like, one of my best friends is a City fan. And, I mean, we spent the entire week leading up to this match literally joking about how it was, I mean, everybody did, right? It was set up perfectly for Real Real Madrid to do their thing. Like, even when they were down 1-0, it was like, oh, they have them right where they want them. And, My buddy literally said it felt like WWE, like it felt like staged wrestling. Like, how do you make up something where Real Madrid scored twice in the 90th minute to send it to extra time? And then Kareem Benzema slots home a penalty. Like, and this is something that Nick actually chatted about on the podcast with us a few weeks ago. I think it was Nick. Apologies. I can't remember if it was Nick or Kevin, but basically, like, just the gusto, the gusto that. Real Madrid have and like the like the the talent is there just like it is with Barcelona but like they have this like they don't accept and Xavi has that mindset right like the you don't accept that loss is inevitable at any point and that's what Xavi is hopefully going to bring back to Barcelona like that's what Real Madrid have with Ancelotti and they had it with Zidane too but like this run where they're they're not lucky but they just like they never accept defeat, and they're always like the same thing that Liverpool do with Luis Diaz, Real Madrid have been doing with Camavinga. Or I think that's how you say his name, Camavinga. But they bring him on in the second half for Granddaddy Kroos, and it just injects this like this pace, this control, and they know how to change games on their head. And it's it's impressive. It's infuriating as a Barcelona supporter. But it's something where you just, like like Danny Alves said this week, like you have to respect it. It's not luck. And it's just incredible. And so now we get to see Liverpool-Real Madrid round two in the Champions League final, which is going to be fantastic to watch. Hopefully, Real Madrid don't win that too. But uh, yeah, that's all I got. Everyone enjoy the match this weekend. It is a vital match. You know Xavi's going to have the boys fired up and ready to go. And so it's going to be interesting to see what they come out with and uh, how they perform. So... Enjoy the match, and I will chat with you next week.